Okay, let's talk about a unit that is just getting a colossal amount of hate from people who I don't actually think have run this thing. And that is the Builder Scorpion Crew. This is a very unique unit, the first of its kind seen in the game, because it is a war machine and with it carries a bunch of rules. Let's dive into this thing and see exactly what all the controversy has been about. So first off, we have a speed of 4, putting it at the slow side. We have two attacks, the uh, Bolt Thrower Volley Fire Mode and the Bolt Thrower Single Shot Mode. We'll get into those in a second. We have a defense value of 5+, plus, nothing to write home about, and a morale value of non-existent, because this has the War Machine rule, which states that this model has 6 wounds. This model never makes morale tests, cannot charge or retreat, and cannot gain condition tokens. We're going to start there. So looking at this thing's defense, if you engage it, it really can't do a lot. The only thing, though, is that your only solution to dealing with this thing is to actually engage it. Uh, and I know that that is a lot easier said than done, unless you're playing against just a bad player. And that's kind of what uh, one of the problems I feel with these guys are, is that a lot of people dismiss them early on because they go like, oh, I'm just going to charge it. I'm like, okay, mm uh, is your opponent just letting you do that? Because that means they're a bad player. These guys here are a ranged unit with a long-range attack, and no, they can't shift before they attack, but that's fine. They're going to be surrounded, or at least they should be, surrounded and protected by their Night's Watch units. If these guys are out here on the front lines, then, well, you've, you've done messed up, and, you know, you made a bad play. So, you know, yeah, we've got that fact going for us. Oh, but I know, Michael, but hey, cavalry can take these guys out. Like, yeah, it's true of pretty much any range unit in the game now, isn't it? So why are we sourcing these guys out? I mean, if crossbowmen or Stark bowmen get charged by cavalry, they're not going to win that fight to begin with. And yeah, oh, well, I can just retreat with them. Okay, sure, that's taking them out for a round, and then those cavalry are just going to recharge them. That's the thing for me, is that if you're playing range units that are exposed to the enemy, especially cavalry, they're probably not going to survive. So saying that the scorpion dies to cavalry is a lot like the old magic phrase of dies to removal, which basically means that a creature sucks because it can be killed by kill spells. So, you know, that's not really an argument for me. But looking at the defensive side of these guys, they're also immune to condition tokens, just outright, which is a really big deal that I don't think people are really giving enough credit for. And these guys never have to make morale tests, which means that there's an entire subset of dealing damage that cannot target these guys, which is another one of those things that I feel that people are really, really ignoring. Okay? Most of the problems that people have with crossbowmen or archers is they go, oh, you know, well, someone can take the crown zone and start just plinking these guys down, or someone can stick maim Jamie in them and start dealing some hits. Uh, both of those absolutely do not work against the scorpion crew. The only way to deal with the Scorpion crew is to go up and kill it. Like, you can't you can't panic this thing off the table. That's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. I mean, not just against Lannisters. Lannisters are going to be the primary example because panic is their whole stick. But even Starks would make use of taking the crown zone to get rid of enemy ranged attacks. And, again, this thing is flat immune. Your only answer is to get up and engage it. And if an army does not have the tools to do that easily or readily, this thing is going to be a nightmare for them. Uh, but anyway, I can sit there and talk about that aspect of things just all day long. Let's sit there and talk about its offensive capabilities. This thing has two modes of fire. It has a volley shot, which is three dice at a three plus, with the caveat that each hit deals three hits, and they all have sundering. 
which means that this unit here, uh, at its highest damage potential, is going to be causing 9 hits with Sundering. On its medium, is going to be causing 6 hits with Sundering. On its lowest, assuming that you, you know, only hit once, is going to be causing 3 hits with Sundering. So we're not going to plan for the worst here about rolling 0 or 1 die. On average, you're going to get 2 hits, which means on average you're going to be dealing 6 hits with Sundering, which means that this thing's mid-range damage capabilities puts it on par with bowmen that haven't moved, and crossbowmen shooting at max ranks and hitting most of their hits. So this thing's medium damage potential is tied for the highest damage potential of the other two main ranged units in the game. Not even factoring if you roll actually three hits of the attack, which is very plausible because you've got three dice to the three plus, that's going to actually put you at a higher damage potential than any other range attack currently in the game. Now you can't shift, but you should be 12 inches away. I think people also just tend to factor in, they're like, oh, well, that means that they've got to be 12 inches away. That means they can be charged. Um, yes and no. I mean, if a unit has a movement of 5, they're not charging 7 inches. And if they are even within 12 there, they're still going to have to roll a 6 or a 5 or 6, which means their charge success is only going to be between 16 to 33%. I It's this mentality that people have of, things are always going to work out the best possible way for their opponent and not for them. And basically dealing with those extreme ends of the percentage tables that I really feel falters a lot of strategy. And it's a really bad mindset to have because it's going to limit you when it comes to a lot of your strategic options. Because if you think like that, then everything you do is going to fail. So why are you even bother playing tactically? You should just rush forward, roll as many dice as you can, and then probably still lose because your opponent is going to just roll all their saves anyway, right? So... You know, that type of mentality, that's that's not really conducive to conversation and tactics. But let's talk about this thing's other attack. You also have a single shot, which is one die, hits on two plus. Uh, if it generates any hits against a solo unit, instead of rolling defense dice, they suffer D3 plus one wounds. This is situational, and a lot of people are putting a lot of um, importance on this attack. This is just kind of one of those gravy attacks where, yeah, it's nice that it has it, and when it is useful, it's going to be very useful. But overall, it's just, again, it's a gravy thing. You need to look at everything else that this package comes together with and then just go like, oh, this is a really cool thing that might situationally benefit me. So yes, this is good against giants. Yes, this can kill direwolves The thing and the mountain the rides. The thing is, is that most of those units, their solos, are going to be pretty fast and they really shouldn't be getting shot by this thing to begin with. Now, there's some big exceptions, though, because you need to look at the fact that this is in the Night's Watch army, which means you have a bunch of tools to actually help this thing out. That's another thing that people seem to forget, is that this thing exists in a faction that has commanders and has tactics cards that do things. <laughs> it doesn't exist just by itself. Some of the most deadly plays I've seen are people throwing down Watcher on the walls. One of their units gets attacked, this thing takes a free maneuver or march action, now all of a sudden it's in your flank, or it's in position. This thing being in your flank means it's shooting at you, potentially hitting nine times and causing minus two to your defense saves and a minus one to your panic check. That's crippling to most any unit that this thing's going to go after. And it gives a plus one speed, but, you know, hey, whatever. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, I will actually say one of the scariest armies that I played against that was super frustrating, and actually I played this myself too, come to think of it, was an army that had three Scorpion Builder crews as its primary uh, center. Now, I know what you're going to get sit there and go like, oh, Michael, but you, they're limited. You can only run two. Well, I know things that you guys don't. 
and I know what's coming out, and I know some other things as well, and I will say that uh, what I just said is a true statement. And frankly, that was, again, that was a frustrating army, because it wasn't full gun line, but you had these things just, like, basically machine gunning down enemies that were just coming at you. Uh, and it was just, it was super frustrating. Um, I actually really can't talk about that too much, come to think of it, giving, giving, without giving any spoilers to future stuff, and I really don't like doing that. But I will say that, um, yeah, there are some nasty tricks with the Scorpion Builder crew coming out later, but let's focus on what's here now. So... There are basically two primary tactics to running the Scorpion crew. Is One, you can run them on the flanks, or you can run them in the center of your army. Uh, that situation on which one of those is best is going to depend highly on what the opponent has. If they don't have anything that can really deal with you, like if they're not running um, any cavalry, or if they don't have any dedicated ranged units, then these guys go on the flanks. Because you want them to get on the flanks, get those bonuses in, and they're going to be safe from any type of like counterattack, or reprieve attacks coming from your opponent. Even if they have ranged attacks, the Scorpion is probably going to last against those units if they get into a shooting contest. Because most ranged guys really can't deal with the between 6 to 9 average hits of Sundering that this thing is going to be pouring out. <coughs> Excuse me again. Um, if your opponent has like something like cavalry or a threat to these guys... Then you stick them in the center of your army, and you supplement them with the other units in your army, because you just stick them in place the cavalry is not going to get to them. Then the cavalry, or whatever fast units they have, whatever threat, is going to have to go after your other units, and this thing can just sit there and, you know, maneuver around and do what it needs to, while being protected by the bodies of your other guys. If you leave this thing exposed when the opponent has just a bunch of cavalry, then yeah, it's going to die really quick, but that's, that's the case of anything like this, so, you know, just position better. You know, I hate really saying get good, play better, but that's really what we're going to say here. Um, positioning is vitally important, especially in Night's Watch Army where you don't have that many units. <coughs> I'm sorry about the coughing fit, guys, and hopefully that'll pass. But anyway, um, if you bunker this thing down in the center of your army, your opponent has to come after it. Because as I said before, they can't do panic tests to get rid of this thing. They can't stick condition tokens on it to weaken it. This thing is just going to be throwing out consistent damage until your opponent does something to get up there and get rid of it. And if they have to wade through the rest of your army to do so, this thing is just going to sit there doing shot after shot to actually get rid of them. And no one's going to enjoy doing that. Um, but really, this thing is going to shine the best if your opponent doesn't have a hard counter for it, which again is going to be like a cavalry unit or something. And if they don't have that, you can stick these guys on the flanks. And I do like running them in pairs, even though it is expensive. But I do think even a, just one unit of these guys kind of bolstered in the center of your army and creating a backline is good. These guys paired with some ranger hunters is really nice. Um, it becomes a really big points investment, so you know, it's something you have to take into consideration. Um, in the future, you'll have... Hmm. No, I'm not going to mention that. That would be a little bit into spoiler territory. There will be some other units coming out that can... Uh, help you defend these guys uh, a little better than sticking an expensive 6 to 8 point unit out there. I'll say that. So, there are some options. But, really, uh, with a lot of the Night's Watch units, I feel that people gravitate toward the ones that are just like, oh, this is shiny and impressive. A.K.A. Sword Brothers. Uh, sorry, Sworn Brethren. Which are really nice. I mean, there's not a single unit in this army that I am you know, not proud of. Really, that's the case of most every unit in the game. But there's a lot of units in this army that I feel you need to play to see exactly how effective they are. And don't discount them because of how they look on paper. Because as I've said before, that is just tactically limiting yourself 
and that's just it's unhealthy it's a very bad mindset to get into but so the key points on this thing right here is that your average damage on this thing already puts it at a higher average damage than other ranged units working at max potential this thing is not very mobile but you've got cards in your deck that are going to help you work around that fact again most notably watcher on the walls utilize that heavily to get this thing in position and put this thing in a position where your opponent's going to have to work to get to it because if they don't this thing's going to rain down death on them and if they've got to work to get to it you can punish them for that and capitalize on it so like most things this is going to come down to strategic positioning and tactical use you can't stick this thing out in the open and just expect it to work it's just going to get charged and die and then you're going to say oh man this unit sucks well play a little bit better uh attachments we can talk about exactly zero because this thing is a war machine can't have attachments well can't have any attachments actually because it is a solo unit <coughs> not because it's a war machine but um nope that's spoiler territory we'll talk about that in the future so this unit is kind of neat because there's so many cool things i want to talk about but i can't because we're going to get into spoiler territory about future stuff so we're going to revisit this unit in the future, back when we have some other Night's Watch boxes come out, specifically Hero Box 1, come to think of it. Um, and then we will revisit and talk about some additional strategy and tactics. But for the time being, that's going to cover everything on this. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it, and I will see you guys next time.